Welcome back to Spotlight 19, episode 29. Justin Tracy here. And this is Saja Tracy. Our first episode with no New York 19 candidate. Instead, we'll be hearing from Aidan O'Connor, who's running for New York State Assembly in District 102 against Chris Tag. And just a reminder for anyone who might be interested, this Friday, Fazo Friday, will be featuring Pat Strong, who's running for New York State Senate in November against George Amador. And you can find out more about that on our website or on Facebook. And that Fazo Friday will be at John Fazo's Kingston office at 721 Broadway in Kingston at noon on Friday. We have a lot to cover. Let's start with Fazo, who finally returned to work. It must be nice to have recess and go to a few meetings here and there and get a salary paid for by the taxpayers and not publish your schedule or have any town halls. So we'll talk about some neutral bills, the confusing bills, and some more infuriating ones. A neutral bill Fazo and practically the whole House voted for was increasing the prison term for stalking a minor by five years and requiring the Attorney General to track these extended sentences. I don't have any love for stalkers, but I worry how Attorney General Sessions might use this harsher punishment to prosecute um, men, especially men of color, and tack on longer time in for-profit federal prisons. Fazal also voted on three bills related to the banking industry, all of which are Extremely confusing, and one of which I still haven't been able to come up with a common-sense explanation for. But essentially, they all make it easier for banks to engage in risky behavior, and they're basically measures to undo some of the laws that came out of the financial crisis. And we've talked a lot um, on the show about bills like this, and Faso always votes in favor of the banks and uh, reducing regulations for them. And the last bill that was voted on, we'll talk about, is the Balanced Budget Amendment to Constitution House Joint Resolution 2. This bill proposed a constitutional amendment that would require three-fifths of the Senate and House to approve spending that exceeds government revenue. Basically, it would be much harder to approve government spending. It's an ironic and hypocritical bill for the Republicans who just passed a massive tax cut for the rich that increased the deficit by $1.5 trillion. Sure, and although the balanced budget amendment is not going to pass right now or become law or become an amendment to the Constitution, it would actually need a two-thirds vote in both the House and the Senate, which isn't going to happen anytime soon. It shows that the Republicans and FASO are willing to go after what they like to call entitlements, what I just think are the government's duty that people don't fall into poverty. And a graphic that's been going around about this bill is how the Republicans are now actually going after people's Social Security by voting in favor of this bill, since that's actually a program that has a surplus. And by passing this amendment and voting in favor of it, you're saying it's okay to redistribute that surplus that Social Security money that rightfully belongs to people, we actually start paying into the Social Security system as soon as we get our first job. That's scary stuff. And FASO also came out in the past week supporting harsh work requirements for SNAP or food stamps. 
Faza was on the Agricultural Committee and is in the process of writing the next farm bill. It's very important to New York 19 with its diverse agricultural economy. But part of the farm bill includes changing requirements for people on SNAP. Right. So currently there are already work requirements for people without children to be on food stamps. If you're 18 to 50, you have to show that you're working for some portion of the year or looking for work to qualify for food stamps. And FASO is saying that there's too many people on SNAP, about 44 million Americans actually receive these benefits that could actually be working, which isn't really true because there, a lot of these people are disabled or have health problems or are between jobs. And <clears throat> it definitely isn't true here in New York 19 that there's a lot of people that are receiving food stamps who aren't working. And FASO supporting a change to these benefits that would require able-bodied adults to work or go to job training programs. So won't the job training programs cost money? And here in New York 19, when so much of it is rural and there are not mass transit systems, how are folks even supposed to get to job training sites? And I know there is no definition for able-bodied. Yeah, you're totally right. This is not something that will benefit constituents here in New York 19 in any way. Implementing this kind of work requirement system is actually going to cost a lot of money because it's just going to increase bureaucracy. In Kentucky, they're implementing something similar, that uh, similar requirements in order to qualify for Medicaid, and it's actually going to cost the state $374 million rather than putting that money into just expanding the, the Medicaid program. And he fails to acknowledge that most people on SNAP already work. This all sounds stupid and sounds like Fazo is joining Trump's war on the poor. I think he needs to impose work requirements on the rich who are getting the benefits of the GOP tax plan too then, since our tax dollars are paying for that. This bill hasn't come to a vote yet, but Fazo supports it, and we know it will just result in more food insecure residents in New York 19. Agreed. So moving on from FASO to our exciting Democratic primary, I just wanted to note that all seven of our candidates have submitted petitions to be on the ballot for the June 26th election. And the Board of Elections actually deemed all these petitions valid. As of today, which is Wednesday, April 18th, only Aaron Collier's is being challenged. Right. And even though it is challenged, it still might be valid. And we are working on a candidate's guide, which will be released as soon as we know exactly who is on the ballot. But moving on to a more imminent race, let's talk about the New York State Assembly race for the 102nd District. So the 102nd District includes all of Greene County and parts of six other counties surrounding it. Albany, Ulster, Columbia, Schoharie, Delaware, and Otsego. And I know that we definitely have listeners out there who live in Saugerties and hopefully some of these other places. And this special election will actually be on April 24th. And it was actually called because the former assemblyman, Pete Lopez, was appointed to the EPA. And now we have running Aidan O'Connor, currently Green County legislator, and Chris Teig, the Schoharie County supervisor. And Teig is unqualified for so many reasons. The first is this viral clip, which was shared even on the Young Turks. Here we go. 
The current New York State budget is about $149 billion. That works out to $7,570 per person. As a comparison, Florida has about the same number of people. They spend $92 billion. That's $4,500 per person. So does New York spend too little, too much, or maybe the right amount? I think they spend too much. So where would you cut? They don't spend it in the right places. So what would you cut? Well, there's a, there's a lot of different there's a lot of different programs I would say that 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 need to be looked at. I mean, number one, well, I would say um, probably uh, in the areas of uh, hold on one second, would you? Sure. Uh, I'm having one of those moments. Maybe I could help. Some of the biggest areas that the state spends money on are education. They also spend a lot of money for Medicaid. And that, you know what? That's exactly where... <laughs> um, as far as education goes, I'm a proponent of education. Um, and I'd like to see us, especially in rural upstate New York... Wait, 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 wait. Hold yep. on. Yep. I, the question on the table is, where will you cut the budget? Well, I think Medicaid's a good place to start. But you asked me a question about, and also about education. I, I, what I was saying. No, I was trying to help you. I was saying those are the big areas. When when somebody says they're running for office, my job is to ask them specific questions. So, okay, you're running for the state assembly. If you get elected, you're saying to me that the state spends too much money. So, I would like to know if you get elected. What areas you think the state should spend less money on? And I and I just I just told you Medicaid. That's it. Well, that's one of them. Let's talk about guns. Should the state reform its gun laws? With regards to what? What laws? Well, there's a, uh, items on the, on the table right now to have stronger background checks, ban bump stocks, money for firearm violence research, and judges may be given the power to take weapons away from people who are deemed at risk. And there's also talk about outlawing assault-style weapons and limiting the size of magazines. Are you in favor of any of them? Well, I, I, I don't agree. I, I do agree uh, with, the out, with the outlawing of the bump stocks. Um, uh, I am, I have been a gun owner, uh, for many, many years myself. You know, I don't think that people should be walking around with machine guns. That's for sure. Um, but, but as far as the bump stocks, I do agree, uh, with, with that. Um, and then what was the rest of your, uh, what was the rest of the question? Stronger background checks, money for firearm violence research, judges be given the power to take away weapons from people deemed at risk and um, outlawing assault-style weapons? Well, I, I, I do agree uh, with people that are deemed unsafe, um, and I think that's something that we need to look into more is whether people, you know, people getting, getting the guns in their hands to begin with. You know, I think a, a lot of the, uh, the shootings and stuff that you've, that you've seen out in public uh, that has come from uh, folks that uh, should never have had guns in the first place.
I don't think New York 19 residents should have a representative that cannot even back up his own platform. And what's far worse is that he or those associated with him, which, by the way, includes John Fazzo, who is supporting Tague 100%, are running a push poll where callers are cold-calling residents of the 102nd and spreading lies about how Aiden was fired from a, a position as the first responder and will immediately be taking away everyone's guns if elected. Neither of these things are remotely true. The... Tactics used against Aiden don't make me very optimistic for November's election. But anyway, we had planned for you all an interview with Aiden, of which we only have a part. And remember, again, the special election is on Tuesday, April 24th. If you're not in in Aiden's assembly district, and Justin and I, being in Hurley, are not, you should definitely share the information with anyone you might know in Green and the surrounding counties. I know we're reaching out to our friends over in Saugerties to remind them to go vote because that reminder really goes a long way. So here's part of my interview with Aiden. Today I'm speaking to Aiden O'Connor. He is running for the New York State Assembly in the 102nd District, which covers all of Greene County and six other bordering counties, most of which are here in the 19th Congressional District. Uh, Welcome, Aiden. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. I know it's the final days of your campaign. Thank you so much for having us and giving us a, a loud voice. Sure. So uh, I wanted to jump right in. Some of our listeners may not know, even though we've reminded them a few times that there is a special election. Um, But before we get to that, just tell us a little bit about your personal background. It's pretty impressive. You've been a first responder and you've been uh, living in your assembly district for a very long time and have really strong ties there. So tell us more about you. Absolutely. Uh, So I moved up here when I was eight years old. Uh, My great-grandparents, my grandparents, and four generations all together lived here. Uh, And both my parents being registered nurses, my brother in law enforcement, uh, growing up, we've always been that public service type of household. And when I was in high school, I was simply looking for something to do and started volunteering for the local rescue squad. I then uh, became an EMT, uh, went to City Cobleskill, which is in the 106th Assembly District, got my paramedic. And I uh, came back in a few leadership roles. I chaired the EMS Council, uh, the EMS coordinator for the county. I was the advocacy coordinator for the, uh, New York State on behalf of the National Association of EMT. So I'd voluntarily go to Washington, D.C. and Albany and try to promote bills that would improve patient outcomes and the first responder profession. Uh, and then a few years ago, I was recruited to work as a flight paramedic where I uh, flew around the helicopter providing emergency care to people in all of seven counties of the 102nd Assembly District. And uh, two and a half years ago, I was extremely fortunate for the opportunity when uh, the residents of District 9 and the town of Durham in Green County uh, elected me to be their county legislator. And since then, uh, I've recognized how much uh, great work that the legislature can do, uh, especially when it comes to community uh, support and involvement. So that really is what inspired me when C. Lopez uh, vacated the seat and the special election was called. Uh, the opportunity to match his enthusiasm, match his energy, he was everywhere all the time. But now to be in the majority and be able to pass the legislation and bring more grant money back to this area and really focus on you know, supporting our first responders and health care in this district, uh, I was very excited to throw my hat in the ring and was very fortunate for the nomination. 
Sure. And that was about now, is it nine weeks now ago that you uh, kind of announced your campaign? Yeah, I'd say it feels like nine years, uh, <laughs> but I think it was only about nine weeks uh, ago that we uh, jumped in. So it's been a very short runway, but uh, we're utilizing every single day and every single hour of the day. Sure, and I can definitely tell by all the photos and of all of the social media surrounding all the events you're attending. So uh, one of the kind of centerpieces of your campaign, and it's listed kind of front and center on your website, is uh, the opioid crisis. And I know that's something that you've experienced firsthand, and um, it's a huge issue, especially in the district that you're representing. I wanted to know a little bit more about your plans uh, on how to address that once, uh, if you are elected to the Assembly. Absolutely. And I could tell you that we uh, were in Saturday today and we knocked on doors for uh, over seven hours. And I could tell you that uh, this was probably the topic that was brought up the most when just talking to people uh, household to household. Uh, from being the first responder, being a paramedic, I- I've had that unique opportunity to administer the reversal drug Narcan to individuals who have overdosed. And I've been able to see them, you know, literally come back to life in front of you uh, and have that second chance. But unfortunately, too many times I've also administered the drug. And no matter how quick we got there, how much of the drug we had, uh, we've had to tell parents and children and neighbors that, uh, unfortunately, their loved ones had passed away and died. Um, so on the local level, as chair of health services, as a county legislator, um, as president of Rotary even, uh, what we've done is to keep people alive, post Narcan training, uh, give out as much Narcan to first responders, police, fire, and EMS as possible. I've added medication drop-off box. And so if you have a family member uh, and you have medications laying around the house, or even if you find uh, heroin and you want to get rid of it, you can go and, and locate it within certain different areas. You can actually drop the medication and drop off box to safe, get disposed of, no questions asked, does not cost you anything. Uh, and other things that we've been doing is uh, trying to connect people with uh, resources of some sort. So in the past, as a first responder, I'd go to somebody's house and I'd give them the reversal drug, but I never had the opportunity to actually connect that person with, with a physician for longer-term care. Now we have these leave-behind forms to connect that. What we're really missing and what I really want to focus on is for the next assemblyman for this district is inpatient services. Right now, if somebody comes up to me, I could, I could offer them inpatient services. I could offer them life-saving short-term solutions. I really, really need to bridge the gap for the 102nd Assembly District. So if somebody comes to me to ask for help, I could connect them with a, a service, and, and that's going to require a large grant to come back here and, and have some sort of establishment form an entity that will have clinical care 24 hours a day and give somebody a place to go that's still within the community where family can still support them and the community can still support them. So Saj actually had to end the interview with Aiden because of shoddy cell and broadband service, which is a problem we regularly have and so many others do too. Improving cell service and rural broadband is a key part of Aiden's platform. Saja will try to get some questions over to Aiden, but you can find out more about Aiden at AidenForAssembly.com. That's A-I-D-A-N for Assembly.com. And if you can, participate in some of the Get Out to Vote actions this weekend. We'll be going to one on Sunday in Socrates. Next week, we'll be sitting down with Kingston Creative Founders and Medicare for All activists, Alex Panagiotopoulos and Gabby Green, and be 
discussing our reflections on our Tiny Town Hall series. So thank you, as always, for taking the time to listen. Yes, indeed. You've been listening to Spotlight 19. Hopefully spring will have arrived next week and we'll be speaking to you from a sun-filled studio in Hurley, New York. Until then, keep the faith.